0: All right,
1: we're still alive.
0: Yeah, it's been a month. We let the music play out. It's been so long; I don't know how to do this anymore.
1: It's only been a month, Matt. Uh, It's
0: like riding a bicycle. Podcasting, like riding a bicycle. And this is the Soybean Pest Podcast with uh, Aaron Hodson. Hi, and me, Matt O'Neill. It is the 28th of August, 2017. This is season eight, episode nine. And that's a big side because usually we've done many more during the summer. But this summer, um, we were speaking off air. <laughs> it's funny to think of it as off air and start regular life. But off air, we were talking about how um, the summer seems like it's been really busy.
1: Yeah, a few a few of our faithful followers are like, "Are you guys done with this? or are you are gonna keep going?" And I was like, "Well, done. we'll get there. I mean, we're, we're never gonna be done. You're right."
0: Um, and we have so much to talk about. We got at least. Five things to talk about today. Sure. We're going to talk about soybean aphids. Get what here. else is there? Well, there's the oh. main leaf beetle. Okay. Number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I going to talk a little bit about the state of the soybean crop. It's starting to senesce and how that might affect pest management practices going forward. And then um, I'm going to combine a couple of things here. I'm going to talk about my trip down to Mississippi. Got to see soybean production down there in the Delta and we have a fit today. Fun in Siberia, okay. related to that trip. That's awesome. five things. We gotta go. Well, let's go. Let's yeah. get going. Well, so if it takes an, hour,
1: takes an hour, takes an hour. If right. it takes eighty minutes, it takes eighty minutes. So or it. if it takes seven,
0: so then, be it. Yeah. So be it.
1: We're not paying by the minute. No. Or <laughs> either are our listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So soybean aphids. What yes. Is going on what? What's up? What's What's up up
1: is I've been hearing about, I mean, it's a pretty quiet summer for most people with soybean aphid, even in some of the most northern counties of our state. But I've been hearing from a few people that numbers are actually starting to go on the upswing, a little bit of surge Hmm. in activity in some of the most northern counties. This is happening with our research and also some of the commercial fields. So aphid numbers kind of peaked maybe early August, took a dip, and now they're Peaking again as most of the state is now entering R5 or R6, so that's
0: close to full seed set. So, um, some numbers from Brian Lang, I think he, uh, I think it came out over the weekend. He did his uh, survey um, of uh, three fields that he's been tracking over the summer, and the one that did not get treated was at about a 1,200 per plant, maybe 1,000 yeah. per plant. Yep.
1: That's yeah, impressive. that's pretty impressive, especially for this time of year. And so I normally get questions almost every like late summer season, this like the last week of August, like, when is it too late to treat? And so I wrote a little blog about it in our ICM website, and I posted that, and I can link to that. But basically, my impression or my experience is that I have not seen a yield response when spraying after R5.5. So that's when seeds are generally starting to fill up the pod but haven't fully expanded in the pod so you can
0: feel the seed within the pod yeah yeah it's still soft but but it's it's there and it's taking shape yep yeah and and the pod hasn't fully formed but it's Mm -hmm. it's happening
1: yeah so that's just been in my small plot efficacy work i have not seen a yield response even if aphids reached threshold at R6, I haven't seen a yield response, but I know some other states like Nebraska in particular has done some work where they have seen a yield response at R6. And so I always think about, okay, there's soybean aphids, sure, but there's usually some other things going on in the field. Um, Things I ask, like if a farmer or craft consultant asked me, uh, I would ask them, like how long have the aphids been there? Have they been, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. feeding for two plus months or did they all of a sudden just show up? Um, are there other pests? Do they have some defoliators? Do they have diseases? Do they have other stuff going on? And then, um, what what would they what would they estimate to be their control costs? That can make a big difference because are they paying like five dollars an acre, or are you know they hiring everything out and it's twenty five dollars an acre? That makes a big difference too. So. In the blog, I just uh, post some questions for people to consider if they're thinking about making a treatment in late August, early September.
0: Yeah. um, So one of those other things that might be out there would be bean leaf beetle. Yeah. And you're getting reports. You're hearing reports of bean leaf beetle. We would be getting into the second generation. Mm -hmm. This is the generation that's going to overwinter.
1: Yes. And um, the only reason I bring it up today is because... We had some pretty good numbers of first-generation bean leaf beetle feeding earlier this summer, more than I have seen probably ever since I've been here, oh, since really? 2009. And so we don't really care about the first-generation impacting yield. But what is more important, as you said, is that second-generation that should be coming out anytime now, late August, early September, and where they can feed on the pods and then feed directly on the seeds And it can be a significant impact of yield if you have high enough numbers of bean leaf beetle. And so um, I only caution people not to give up on beans to keep scouting, especially during that full seed, like R5, R6 stage. And you you don't want a lot of injury to the pods or the seeds.
0: So that could be uh, a case where you got double duty. You could spray for one. And most of the products, right, that would be labeled... Uh, for one, are going to provide protection to the other. Yeah, most likely. And these, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any products right now that are specific to um, one of those. The bean leaf beetle, of course, is a beetle, coleoptera. Soybean aphid is a hemipteran, an aphid. Uh, but the products that we'd be using now would um, provide protection to both.
1: Yeah, there are a few... Um... That might be available next summer and then the next couple summers that target fluid feeders. But right now, most of what we have is broad spectrum. So they would cover both
0: of those pests. So the other uh, third topic that was originally marked with a question mark, crops in essence. I'm coming back from a trip I took last week where um, I uh, flew down to Mississippi, came back, drove through um, you know, from Des Moines up here. And then I went out to into Boone County yesterday and I noticed the start of what looks like to me crop senescence, senescence in soybeans. Uh, You know it kind of starts as a little patch somewhere where you start to see some yellowing and then it kind of spreads or maybe multiple patches in a field Uh, and it looked like pretty much every I don't know mile or so I would see some fields that uh, showed signs of that and if you were a farmer and you're entertaining the thought of spraying pre-harvest interval might mm-hmm. be an issue to think about in terms yep. of products. So um, it's been a while since I've looked at a label for this, but it's on the label, and typically it's in the range of what, like 35, 40 days for a pre-harvest It, it can be
1: anywhere from 30 to 60 days, I okay, think. up to yeah. 60.
0: So um, something to think about if you're uh, – planning on spraying, you might want to keep an eye on that so you don't have any trouble.
1: Maybe one thing to follow up on that, um, the senescence, it should not be confused with diseases or potassium deficiency, which is happening right now. So there's sudden death syndrome, which is happening, Mm -hmm. and then potassium deficient fields also can have some discoloration as well. So it may not actually be maturity or senescence that's happening. It could be a few other things. So it's important just to get out and scout and make sure Mm -hmm. What you're seeing is what what you think you're seeing.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Um, then the... Oh, I, I brought this up uh, just a moment ago. I uh, went down to Mississippi as part of a Entomological Society of America policy, science policy tour. This was hosted by uh, a branch of our society, the USA Society, uh, through work by Melissa Siebert and Rada Krell and several others. But those were the two... Uh, co host co-organizers, along with the faculty and the um, entomology department at Mississippi State University, which has a fantastic program focused on applied entomology. Not just soybeans, but uh, soybeans were one of the crops that we talked about. Um, a lot more crops could be grown down there in general than up here. They have a it's maybe a four-year rotation with corn, soybean, cotton, and in some cases, rice. It was very interesting. Um, you know, I, I we, we've got it easy. Relatively. Very easy. I mean, we went into one field where they had some insecticide evaluations, and they were showing us the different plots. I found every, I think every insect that I've ever read about attacking soybeans, but one. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any aphids. Yeah. But uh, everything else. I took pictures. I was... <laughs> They they were probably wondering, like, why are you taking all these pictures? Like, I've never seen these before. I mean, loopers to the point of defoliation throughout the plant, uh, three-cornered alfalfa uh, hopper, the kind of robust leaf hopper that girdles the plant. I saw girdling. Um, There were heliothus There was bean leaf beetle. Not very many, but there were bean leaf beetle. Looked like Japanese beetle feeding. You're like, yeah, we see a few of those. Um, and then Dectes, stem borer. So I, st- uh, <laughs> I was like, I've never seen a stem borer damaged plant, let alone the stem borer in it. That um, yeah, was remarkable. And that was just in soybeans at this brief period. There were, oh, I forgot, at least three species of stink bug. And mm-hmm. they were talking about yeah. red-banded stink bug, uh, which is an invasive, P. sidora is the genus, and it, um, it has blown up. In uh, the delta of Mississippi, in part because they had a very mild winter, and they now have oh man fields where there were so many stink bugs. They 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 started harvesting some of their beans, and they had combines that were being damaged by the stink bug buildup in the in the machinery. Ew. Yeah, and the smell too, of course. But yeah, it was remarkable. Um, so, as you can imagine, they spray pesticides a lot more. Often than we do, and we got to visit um, a company that specializes in this aerial application. And it's not just uh, insecticides; they spray herbicides, some fungicides. They seed crops and they spray fertilizer with the, um, both both helicopter and airplane. It was uh, remarkable to see the scale that they were working on. One thing you know, here's a shout out to Iowa. One of the applicators said. They are because they often go out of state, uh, depending upon you know if there's a need for their services. They've come up to Iowa and they said you know Iowa does it right by working with DriftWatch. They can download what are called shape files. These are uh, digital files with uh, GPS coordinates of where honeybee hives are, and they can put that into their system. And they have on the dashboard of the, the plane. A mapping uh, tool that shows where the field is and it gets them there, and then it also shows where the hives are, so they can more easily avoid those and, and time their sprays per the uh, the labels. It's very interesting. It was remarkably uh, um, I don't know, technologically driven, you know. Mm-hmm. And they they talked about they're not crop dusters; they're aerial mm-hmm. applicators. Yeah, and they're not just planes; they have helicopters. Um, yeah. And it was uh, it was remarkable to see how uh, kind of precise and, and detailed they can get with it. So here's my name. fun insect trivia. Okay. Um, let's say you were interested in buying a crop duster or an aerial applicator. Mm-hmm. Um, you you'll find for sale planes like the uh, Air Tractor AT five hundred and two or the 710 um, Thrush, um, or the well, yeah the Air Tractor uh, AT700. What's the number referred to? Gallons. Oh my God, you're so bright. Look at you. What?
1: Look at you. Doing?
0: You crushed it. Oh, you crushed it. Okay. Yeah. When they their whole capacity. Yeah, it's yeah. the the tank the uh, capacity for the. Um, You know the product that they're going to spray, and um, they'll have you know that number in there. So uh, typically, I think it's like seven. If it's seven hundred two, it's a seven hundred gallon. If it's a five hundred two, it's a five hundred gallon. I think they go down to as low as three hundred, especially for the helicopters. They can't carry as much as the the planes. But in terms of a trade off, they get more precise, and they can they can work within tree lines and more irregularly shaped. Yeah. um, Fields with an air with a sorry with a helicopter than mm-hmm. an airplane the other thing they had were tankers and they showed us how they would refuel the product on a tanker they literally land on the tanker and they put the hose in and fill it up and go and mm-hmm. um, so they can you know they go out with an empty tank meet the truck there load it up and they're they're doing all this with gps coordinates so they can get there as uh Quickly as possible. It's very, so I, I found it fascinating. It did was, they
1: talk about how much volume they use?
0: Um, yeah, they did. I was kind of, uh, I kind of spaced out a little bit on that because I was impre- I was more watching the, the planes in the air and the banking and all. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that uh, mm-hmm. they had variable rate technology, so they can adjust the volume depending upon mm-hmm. the product. And they had some concerns for drift and droplet size that's uh, adjustable with the nozzles. Yeah, why do, you, why do you ask?
1: Well, but, just because, um, of course, they will want to make as few re or you know uh, stops as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they like to go as light on the volume, and um, so, sometimes as low as like two gallons an acre.
0: Oh, really? And wow. so
1: I just yeah. I didn't know what they would be doing for planes or helicopters down there.
0: Yeah, I didn't really pay much attention. to That it was mm-hmm. more. So I should say the reason we went on this tour was. Uh, to discuss um, honeybee health, pollinator health in general, but honeybee health. And one of the questions that came up is, how do you get into the hands of the applicator the information about where hives are? And we talked about a bee registry and then using the information in that bee registry so that the applicators can um, uh, make decisions. And there's been some efforts to do this. Mississippi has a voluntary registry, but they're not participating in drift watch. And they say in part that they don't do that. They don't participate in Driftwatch because their beekeepers don't use the registry. So um, some of the industry partners, like uh, there was, I think it was a representative from Bayer uh, Crop Science had helped put in the hands of the, the beekeepers these large flags that uh, helped mark, so that the airplanes could see them, the hides. And some of the applicators said, "Yeah, that's helpful," but others were saying it's really hard to see anything when you're going 170 miles an hour, Um, and sometimes these hives are in a tree line. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: it'd be really hard.
0: Yeah. So the um, so the 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 mapping tools allow them to more readily see those and plan for their trips around those. Yeah. So I didn't. Yeah, they were talking about volume and all, but I, I. Again, I kind of spaced it because I was thinking more about, well, how do you get those files and uh, into the plane, and do they do this on the fly? Like, are they they literally downloading them by Wi-Fi? Like, no, they they do all this at, at, at the base and then load up the plane with that information along as the as as, as well as the products. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you see a plane for sale, uh, and they run in the range of like three hundred to five hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah, you'll have a sense of how much carrying capacity there is with the number attached to it. All right, so that covers our five topics. Upcoming events. What's going on? Um, What's going on? My
1: summer demo season is coming to an end. I have one more event at the Kanawa Research Farm next month, but that's it for demos. And then I transition to more Typical, like, winter lecture-type things uh, around Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of dip of extension for me right now while we wrap up the research season.
0: You'll be talking at the uh, ICM conference? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got something coming up in October, but September's pretty quiet. Although you and I will both be at the World Congress.
1: World Soybean mean
0: Get it out. What's
1: World it? Soybean Research Conference. Re- research Conference. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: WSCR. Uh, World Soybean Research Conference in Savannah, uh, Georgia. Maybe there's still time to register uh, if you want. Uh, if you are going there, stop by and see us. We have a m- session on insect and weed resistance management. We've got two weed scientists and three uh, entomologists talking about how to manage for the Resistance that occurs in both of those types of critters in soybean production. And then, um, yeah, and then that's it until.
1: Until ESA. Yeah. If you go to ESA in Denver this year, also say hi.
0: Are you presenting? No. No? But our students are. Yeah. I think all of our students are presenting.
1: That's that's the way that they Back get going. the ticket to go. <laughs> that's right. They got to do something.
0: How was that? How are we doing time? Yeah, we're doing great. Anything else? Um, where to find us? If you're not going to see us in person, you can always find us by Googling soybean entomology. I think we're up there at the top.
1: Yeah, our, our lab website should show up with a lot of publications and, and some other things.
0: Aaron, you're always on Twitter, at mm-hmm. Aaron W. Hodgson. You know, I met uh, Ian Kaplan, and he's like, hey, you uh, you Twitter, don't you? Man, No, no, don't, don't Twitter. He's like, oh, you ought to. Hey, you seem like the kind of guy that would Twitter. You totally do to me. Do I it. don't know
1: why. Yeah. I mean, you have a handle. You have an account. You're yeah. just not active. Do you use it to get information? No. No. Do you? Yes.
0: Interesting. Really? Where do
1: you think? I, I think that's where people get a lot of their news now. You think so? They're not reading newspapers. I mean... Oh. Some people are, you know, have like egg magazines and things, but it's definitely a news source for me. Yeah. So some people join Twitter simply to get a feed of news. Others join because they want to, they want the back and forth yeah. and, the, and the community like yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the people that come to my meetings um, say that they basically just subscribe, you know, they follow people. And uh-huh. then, so every time we do a podcast, you you know, I'll let people, yeah. 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 And so yeah. it's more of a way for me to share information. But it seems like a perfect avenue for you.
0: Um, yeah, you know, he's not the first person to say that. And it's interesting because my sense is I was doing what you described kind of with Facebook. Because we have a Facebook page for the department, yeah. for our sus ag program, uh, my own personal one. Um, yeah, I don't know, I got to rethink that cuz I mean hey, it's working for Trump. I mean, he's he's
1: He has a lot of followers. A lot of followers. Maybe not as much as as many as Kim Kardashian, but Is that right? Well, she has a lot, but she, That's a, that's our next goal is to be that
0: famous. Up there yeah. with the Kardashians?
1: Yeah. Uh, you might want to consider we'll work it. On it's that. free, it's fast. You can do it from your smarty pants phone. I encourage you to use it.
0: And for those of you who don't use Twitter but still use email cuz that's still a thing. That's still a thing.
1: Isn't Some right? people still use yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like I'm using
0: it all the time. You can catch Aaron at EWH at IASTATE.EDU. I'm at O'Neill, O N E A L, at State.edu. Of course, subscribe. Please subscribe. It's so easy. Please subscribe to our podcast. You know who you are, Ian Kaplan. <laughs> he said he's never heard a podcast. What? Uh, uh, who he,
1: are these people?
0: Yeah. I, in fact, I, to, to backtrack, he did subscribe because I saw him oh. do it on iTunes. Okay. So, so listen, Ian. Would it kill you to spend 20 minutes listening to this? Uh, subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. I have yeah. no know Pocket Cast. It's
1: just another podcatcher. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. And then I think that's it. I think Nailed we're good. Nailed it. Done it. Come back Let's next it. week.
1: Let's do it next week. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Bye.